from the rugged desert outside Yuma, Arizona. This is Outpost Outspoken. Outpost Outspoken is the official podcast of U.S. Army Yuma Proving Ground, which conducts natural environment testing of military equipment in Arizona, Alaska, and the tropics. Welcome to Outpost Outspoken. I'm your host for this segment, Anna Henderson. Today, Munitions and Weapons Test Officer Mariela Cockburn Ojeda joins me to talk about her road to becoming an engineer at Yuma Proving Ground. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Hello. Let's start with your background. You're from San Diego. Tell me what led you to becoming an engineer. So I grew up in San Diego, born and raised, did one year at San Diego State. Did not like it. Ended up moving to Mexicali, Baja California, Mexico. That's where I got my degree from CETIS. But what made me want to study engineering, it's, I would say my middle school teacher at National City Middle School. They have a great engineering, pre-engineering technology program. They have video production. They teach us how to do balsa wood model airplanes or like the people that want to be architects. They do balsa wood houses and stuff like that. That was pretty cool. And I think that's where it started. So you just had a really good STEM program growing up. That's always great to hear because YPG does a ton of STEM outreach programs. What little clues did you have that you were good at math and engineering in general before this class? When I was a kid, they would do the California standardized test. And then the one that would always be advanced would be on math. So that's where I noticed sixth grade we had what my teacher called a math bee. And <laughs> I got a second. spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, it was math problems. And then I ended up getting second place. So, I mean, it's always one of those subjects that you could always rely on. There's only one answer most of the time, right? Right. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of easier that way. It's awesome that you, you saw that talent and you had the ambition to go and use it to become an engineer. When you decided that you were going to go into engineering, what did you hope to do with that? I actually, my first pick was aerospace engineering. So when I was at state, that was my major. When I moved to CETES, that wasn't available. It was only mechanical. But they did have like an emphasis or a specialty in mechanical design or aerospace design. I ended up taking the mechanical engineering one. But I always loved airplanes. That's the one thing that I think are fascinating, you know, just be able to fly in the air. So I was hoping to work at UTC Aerospace Systems back in San Diego when I first started, which ended up getting bought out by Collins Aerospace. But here we are. (laughs) Life always is interesting. It's not what you have planned. (laughs) Now you're a test officer with munitions and weapons. Can you tell me about your uh, daily tasks? Yeah. So normally when we get assigned a test, if we receive a test slot, we will schedule that test. So we will schedule a test that includes all the support that we will need, the ammo that we need to pick up, send to the plant where it gets loaded and they do their magic. And when it's a test day, we'll usually coordinate the test, right? We run, we have all the support sections that are helping us throughout the test, just checking data. It's really interesting that we have those like admin days, I call it, and then like outside days. They're different. And I think that's the part I like the most, that it's not the same thing every day. But we do a lot of paperwork, like cost estimates. I think if I have to pick a favorite day, 
It's usually a firing day. A firing day. A lot more exciting than the admin day. But, of course, the admin day is so necessary because a lot of people don't realize that test officers, as you mentioned, they have to coordinate everything for your test. It's a lot of coordination, basically program management. Any mistake will cost you thousands of dollars. And I mean, like, a typo on a test matrix we send out like a week prior. Right. You know, our test schedules are so tight and so well scheduled that any little thing can push you back. Well, you know, throw off not just you, but, you know, your your team. Uh, speaking about your team, tell me about them. How is it working out there with the munitions and weapons crew? And has anybody stepped up to mentor you? Yes. Munitions and weapons is a great workplace. I like my team a lot. We're the mortar two team. There's five of us in there, plus our team lead. We're an awesome team. We usually step up and help each other out. We have each other's back, and that I think that's really awesome. And we're technically mortar two, but we do a lot of artillery firing as well. We do work on the dual certification. Most of us are mortar certified. Half of us are both, and then the rest of us are working on it. But I think it's awesome that any question we have, we'll always get an answer, and they don't make us feel bad for not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the person that took me under her wing was Kaylee Caparulo. She's really good. She's really smart and really nice. Well, that's good that you could have somebody else that helps kind of mentor you that's been there for a while because it is, like you said, a huge amount of work, a huge responsibility. So I'm happy that you had that. Is this job everything that you imagined? First shot, like I had a phone interview and I was like, I'll take it. Like, you know, I graduated during the pandemic. So it's hard to even get the first interview, right? And once I got here for the actual in-person interview, I got to see a lot of tests that they do here. And I was really excited that I could do that as a li- for a living. Not everybody gets to see the stuff we do, and I think it's really amazing. What do you love about your job or enjoy about your job? I love that we get to talk to a lot of different people. I uh, I talk a lot. <laughs> I know that. But I I like that every test day, for example, or firing day, we get to talk to all the support sections. And everybody has a different personality, a different uh, background. And there are even, like, different ages. The people's ages, the day of the test, like, vary drastically. And I think it's cool that we get to have a connection with everybody, right? And it's like, you treat them well, they'll respect you, and they'll work with you. And I think that's one of the most important things that a TO has to do, be able to have that connection with the people. And I think that's my favorite part of the job. You know, that's the favorite part of my job, too, connecting with everyone, (laughs) learning their stories. And, you know, full disclosure, you and I met while I was out there on a story, and you started talking to me. (laughs) And that's how you ended up here today. So everyone says great things about you. And you're definitely gaining a good reputation among your uh, colleagues. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And I wish you the best in your job. And thank you for what you do for the warfighter. Thank you for having me. Hello, I'm James Gilbert with the Public Affairs Office here at Yuma Proving Ground. The United States Army Chaplain Corps consists of ordained clergy of many faiths who are commissioned officers serving as military chaplains as well as enlisted soldiers who serve as assistants. And joining me today for another edition of the Outpost Outspoken podcast is Sergeant D.J. Suggs who serves on post as a religious affairs non-commissioned officer. 
Thank you much for being here. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. What is the role of a religious affairs non-commissioned officer? So uh, the role, basically, if you're in the United States, your role is probably, so we, we, got, we, got, we got hospital, we got prison, we got, uh, we got garrison, we got battalion, division, so on and so forth. But where I work at now, um, it's, it's a garrison role, so basically we do admin for the chaplain, uh, make sure all the services are good um, on uh, Sundays. Um, um, make sure um, all the, for the programs are running smoothly, maintaining the, chap uh, the chapel. I wouldn't have thought that there would be so many different types of posts that your MOS would have. Yeah, like different posts do different things. Like if um, if we go to Afghanistan or Iraq or any war, we'll uh, we'll man a chapel, but we also have soldiers that we have to care for. We'll, we'll be like the force protection for the chaplain, okay. um, i.e. his bodyguard. Guards. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So. Who or what inspired you to choose your military occupation specialty? Yeah, so my grandfather, he's a retired preacher. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Makes sense now. Yeah, he, he just stopped running his his his, uh, his, his church in North Carolina. Um, You're yeah. North Carolina native. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh he retired, and but he, he does guest speaking at different chapels, um, around North Carolina. So, I mean, he's still doing it. He's just taking a step back. How long have you been in the army, and what are your, what are your plans for the future? Uh, let's see how long I've been in the army. Mm, that's a good question. Huh? I say close to fourteen years. I plan on getting out uh, next year, roughly around January, February of two thousand fifteen. So this is your last post. Two thousand not two thousand fifteen, two thousand twenty-five. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so this probably is my last post, and I'm probably gonna uh, stay in the reserves and uh, either go to state trooper school or be a sheriff in a town somewhere and, and coach football on the side. Speaking of football, you've been playing semi-pro football for a number of years as well, haven't you? Yeah, probably close to 14 years. Every year I've been in the military. Where'd you have the most fun playing and where was the competition oh, the best? Would you have the toughest competition? Let's see. So I played in New York, California, Washington State, North Carolina, and Texas. I'd probably say but the, the stiffest competition will probably be in California. But i say my funnest time playing South Park football was probably at Fort Drum in Watertown, New York. New York, yeah. Yeah. So how, do you, how did you manage the two uniforms you wear? I mean, playing football and then your commitment to the Army, has that been difficult? Not at all. Not at all? Not at all, because football is it's a way for me to relieve stress. The, the football field to me is like, it's a big stress reliever. Like it's just, it's the a, a place where you can just ground yourself. You can just put all the problems in your life behind you. Yeah, I, I can understand yeah. that. Still not a Dallas Cowboy fan. No, no. Oh man. Uh, I I guess. My dad's I, side is though. Your dad is. A, my dad's side. Okay. Here, my dad a Redskins fan, but my other side, my dad's side is a cow Cowboys fan. Oh, that's got to make for some fun Thanksgivings. Friendly unions. Yeah. yeah, I guess playing. Semi-pro football also requires a lot of the same traits that the Army has instilled in you, such as dedication, physical and mental resilience, and being able to play your role and still be a team member. Mm -hmm. um, any hobbies? What do you do to keep yourself busy? Well, right now I keep myself busy. Uh, I'll weightlifting, spending time with the family, coaching my son's sports teams. What does your son play? My son plays Kyrie Suggs. He plays uh, baseball, basketball, football. 
uh, baseball. So if he's like his dad, he's probably good at all of them. Yeah, he just yeah. don't know yet. He just he's just a little stubborn. <laughs> okay. He's getting there. Uh, unfortunately, that is all the time we have. So I would like to thank Sergeant Suggs once again for taking time to stop by and talk with us here at the Outpost Outspoken. This has been Outpost Outspoken. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time from the forefront of Army transformation.